0: What is good, everybody. Welcome to the Crossover Podcast on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats guerrera If you are new to the show, this is where we take a deep dive on the Niners opponent of the week with someone who covers that particular team. This week, of course, it's the Detroit Lions. I was lucky enough to be a guest on the Pride of Detroit podcast First Bite with Jeremy Reisman. And we had basically an hour-long conversation. We got into everything on both sides of the football. Before we get to that, I just want to remind you, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast, and make sure you join us immediately following the game for the Instant Reaction Podcast, myself and Levin Black. We will be breaking it all down for you live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, so you don't want to miss that. All right, without further ado, let's get to the show
1: welcome to first bite we are still here it is nfc championship week and your detroit lions still in it in the final four my name by the way is by the way is jeremy reisman i'm the producer over at pride of detroit you can find me at detroit online on twitter as always to help us break down this upcoming lions game is the senior editor of pride of detroit is at ryan underscore pod on twitter is ryan matthews ryan how we doing buddy
2: uh I, i'm doing well uh it's it snow day number two in a row i'm hoping for number three because there's too much lions information to take in and i feel like i'm <laughs> gonna miss something i I'm, I'm gonna have fomo tomorrow jeremy if, I, if i'm at school instead of covering more lion stuff
1: i mean the kids can wait you can just just have like the laptop projected on the screen and you all can work together Perfect.
2: I'll 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 hit you up after this, and we can come up with a lesson plan. Good idea. P- perfect.
1: Uh, all right. If this is your first time listening to us on for first bite, whether you're a San Francisco fan or a Lions fan, because this is technically a crossover episode. Uh, we always have a guest from the other side, but this is kind of we're working together here, and so there's going to be questions asked both sides, uh, and and it's going to be a good fun episode here. And so we got a very special guest who knows his stuff, who's known all over. 49ers fandom for certain. You might know him as at Stats on Fire on Twitter. He is the host of the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Rob Guerrero is here. Rob, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do it. Oh, man. Uh, I I can't tell you how excited I am, not only to talk to you, but to still be talking lions football here in late January, still kind of a surreal experience for us. But um, I want to start things off like we normally do, starting with the opposing offense, 49ers offense going against the lions defense. And if we're going to talk 49ers offense, we got to talk Brock Purdy because I mean, a a lightning rod of a conversation starter. uh, Anytime you bring his name up. And I want to start, I guess just with the fact that this man was an MVP candidate for like 90% of the season and then has one bad game against the Ravens and suddenly off the radar.
0: Why is everyone so eager to dismiss Brock Purdy? Because he's not as physically talented as the quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs. He's not a good, as good of a thrower as Jared Goff. He certainly doesn't have the arm talent of Lamar and Patrick Mahomes. He can move a little bit, um, but he's just not, you know, he doesn't have that, those easy to see things from the neck down that we like to see from quarterbacks that are playing at this stage of the season.
2: So so Rob, based on that, like if those are his uh quote unquote, you know, the the holes that people poke through his game is that he doesn't look like Mahomes or he doesn't look like Allen and doesn't do the the things that those guys do. What's Brock Purdy's superpower? Because we asked this question to ourselves about Jared Goff this offseason. Um but I'm interested to hear like what Brock Purdy's superpower is at quarterback to you.
0: If you're asking me, like the his most elite skill, and I know that's a very loaded word, he is elite at avoiding pass rushers and being elusive. He he doesn't always have to use it, but there was a, a play in week one of this year where Minka Fitzpatrick of the Steelers comes rushing through completely unblocked, and it's Purdy and it's Minka one on one. And Minka gets nothing but air because Purdy, you don't know it to look at him, but he's very hard to take down, which I think is going to be something that's very handy in this game because Aiden Hutchinson is going to be in his lap all afternoon. Well, yeah. Let let me jump straight to that
1: question then, because yeah, I think I'm I'm looking at this matchup and I'm trying to find ways in in which the Lions can slow down the 49ers and and that might be what the key right there is. Aiden Hutchinson normally coming off of the offense's right side, and I look at Colton McKivitz and I see some stats that seem a little bit concerning on the 49ers end in terms of pressures allowed, in terms of sacks allowed. Do you view it that same way as as maybe a major concern that could blow up this matchup? Yeah,
0: he six. 68 in red is. Awful. And the frustrating thing about it is we knew he was awful going into the season. Like this is not a shock. I, I don't want to bang on him too much because he's doing the best that he can possibly do. The problem is his best is just not very good. And he's always going to face the other team's best pass rusher. Cause what are your options? She, should we go against Trent Williams or <laughs> should we go against 68 Colton McKivitts? Mm, let me think. And so he's really put in a box So on the one hand, I say, well, look, it's been an issue all year, and the 49ers have kind of dealt with it. But on the other hand, when you're talking a one-game scenario, right, where it may come down to one single play, and a lot of times that single play is a pass, and a lot of times everybody knows you're going to pass. And in that situation, Aiden Hutchinson is beating Colton McKivitts every single time. So that does give me the cold sweats. (laughs) Well,
2: something that might be reassuring. How do you feel about Trent Williams on the other side?
0: Uh, You know, the Lions haven't had
2: much of a pass rush opposite of Aiden Hutchinson all season long. I don't know, James Houston, Jeremy, I don't know. Like, that question still lingers. But, um, you know, just talk a little bit about what Trent Williams has, has been able to do to transform this offense.
0: He's arguably the most valuable offensive lineman in the league. You never have to worry about him, ever. Like, I don't even think about him because that's how good he is. He just erases people from the game but also in the running game, like when they need a big run, it's going left. It's going behind 71. Sometimes they'll have Juwan Jennings, 15. They'll have Kittle and they'll have Trent Williams all on the left side. Good luck trying to stop the 49ers <laughs> from running there because they just maul people. I don't know if you saw the clip of Juwan Jennings uh, blocking that Packers guy into the Gatorade last yeah. week. That, that is literally what he does all the time. So when the Niners need a big run, they just load up on that side and it's impo- it's almost impossible to stop them. Because, oh, by the way, even if you get penetration, you still have to tackle Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And and
1: that that's interesting that we we bring this up too because um Dan Campbell was asked. I don't know if it was today or Monday days are starting to run into each other, but huh. yes, um, you know, look at this San Francisco offense. They're, they're number one in the past. They're number two in the run game, you know, number three in, in, in points scored all that sort of stuff. Like where do you even start with this defense? How, how do you attack this 49ers offense? What what do you, what do you aim? Do you, do you go for Debo? Do you go for McCaffrey? Do you go for who, what, what do you try to stop first? And, and Dan Campbell gave the most Dan Campbell answer and didn't surprise anybody he says we got to stop the run. That first and foremost, we gotta stop the run. Otherwise, they're run they're gonna run for 250 on us. Um, obviously that's a lot easier said than done, but if you're a defensive coordinator, is that your kind of game plan too? It's like we gotta make sure we stop the run because everything else kind of sprouts off from that.
0: Yes. It's not like it was in years past where it's we gotta stop the run because Jimmy Garoppolo can't beat us. It's we gotta stop the run because the play action comes off of that. And if the 49ers can run the ball well enough, the score is never going to get out of hand to where the Niners just have to go to their straight drop back passing game, which is the weakest part of their offense. But I will say, I am confident that, let's say the Lions stop the run, but the score is, you know, within a score or it's tied, something like that. It's not a situation where I'm nervous that Brock Purdy can't chuck the ball down the field because I believe that he can. I believe he has shown that he can. Whereas with Jimmy Garoppolo when he would drop back to pass, all I would hope for was that something bad was not about to happen with Brock Purdy. When he drops back, I think something good is about to happen. So that is a little bit of a difference between the 49ers that we have seen in the playoffs in recent history. And this 49ers team. Well,
2: Rob, I think the interesting dynamic that exists there, right. You know, Jeremy talks about all the playmakers and obviously, you know, Debo's the only 49ers player on the injury report. And he his you know, status still, still seems pretty much up in the air. But when the 49ers get Christian McCaffrey and with how much Kyle Shanahan uses pre-snap motion and moves guys around and is just a master at creating matchup, you know, advantages for those guys, when it comes to McCaffrey and Debo, like, who, is, it, is it going to be so important that Debo's out on the field? And if he, if he isn't out on the field, does it make it a little
0: bit easier for the defense? Oh, completely. Um, because what makes McCaffrey so good, right, is the gravity that he has, because he's so versatile that no matter where he is on the field, he affects the defense. If he's in the slot, that changes things for the defense. If he's in the backfield, what if he starts in the backfield and goes to the slot? All of those things change the defense and put the defense in a bind. Now imagine you have two of those people with Debo and Christian McCaffrey, right, and before the play, McCaffrey starts in the backfield. But then he shifts and goes out. But then after he shifts, Debo goes in motion. What they're doing with all that stuff is they're changing the responsibilities of the defenders. And then all of a sudden it's snap. So it's like, okay, you go into a play thinking there's McCaffrey. This is my job. Then McCaffrey shifts. And you're like, "Okay, now my job is different because McCaffrey shifted. Oh, wait, here comes Debo. Now my job is something. Wait, what is my job? Oh, wait, the play has started. And so they really put you in a blender and just that, that you guys know that half step or a misstep and you're cooked. And so that's why having Debo and McCaffrey at the same time, that's why this offense goes from 7.2 yards of play with Debo to 5.2 without him.
2: Well, and, and Rob, I, I didn't want to use the Packers game as like, Oh, I understand like how the 49ers offense looks completely different without Debo, but like, do you get the sense that they do different things with McCaffrey when they don't have the luxury of having Debo out there?
0: Um. Yes, I would say so. But also like the frustration with 49ers fans is it seems like Kyle draws up the game plan. And then if Debo goes out during the game, it's like Kyle had no backup plan. It's almost like he had no idea that a football player could get injured during a football game. And so we're all sitting there like, dude, you've got McCaffrey, you've got Ayuk, you've got Kittle, like, How is the offense struggling this much just because Debo is not there? But I think because of the uncertain status of Debo this week, I think Kyle's basically going to have the two game plans. Because even if if, uh, Samuel can start the game, there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to finish the game. One hit, especially with the way Debo plays, we know, you know, that shoulder could act up again and he could be gone. So I think that Kyle will be better prepared this week than he was last week. But yes, there is a difference in how they use McCaffrey Uh, or let's just say the effectiveness or the gravity of McCaffrey when Debo's also not there.
1: It's interesting with all this, you know, pre-snap motion and and changing of responsibilities on the fly for the defense. It makes me almost think that this is slightly a better situation for the lines to have it be on the road where the defense can use that opportunity to to communicate as much as possible. You know, the the Ford field isn't going to be screaming their heads off and, Obviously it still has to happen very quick. And, and with the way that the 49ers move with tempo and stuff, it's not, it's not going to be easy, but, but I wonder, I wonder if just being able to communicate on defense helps a little bit. Um, but, but while we're on that topic and I know this is kind of off the sheet and maybe plays more into the, the opposite matchup, but I guess, how do you expect the environment to be like at Levi stadium for this game? Cause I'm already, I'm already starting to hear like estimates of maybe like 20% Lions fans in, in, in Santa Clara, which, would be pretty impressive to travel for for a
0: conference championship game. That would, yeah, that would be a disappointment, honestly. Um, It was 97% Niners fans last <laughs> week, which Jeez. is, imp- and the Packers fans travel. So that right. was, that was nice to see by the faithful. I hadn't seen an update this week. If it is really 20%, that's a credit to everybody in Detroit. Um, but I think the environment is going to be nuts, especially if the 49ers can get a lead early. They have mm-hmm. more points on the opening drive this year than anybody else in NFL history. They have been excellent at going down the field. I mean, Shanahan's got the scripted plays, right? They dial it up. They move the ball. If they get a lead early, that place is going to go nuts because the the whole 49er team is built to get a lead, to play with a lead, mm-hmm. particularly, obviously, if you can get up multiple scores, that's perfect because that's really when the defense seems to shine. Um, but I think the environment is going to be absolutely nuts. We have been waiting for this, Jeremy. Since last year, since the NFC, I mean, Brock Purdy got hurt less than 10 offensive snaps into the NFC championship game last year. So the, everybody, the players have been talking about it all day today. We, we're we ready. We're waiting for this. We've got back. Finally, the whole season was about getting back to that point because they felt like they were robbed. And now they're here. And I think it's going to be absolutely crazy at Levi's. You You guys have had to wait an entire year. Yes, yes, I, I understand. I, I, I'm not going to try and get into a misery competition with Lions fans when I have five Lombardi trophies in the trophy case. I, 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 you win.
2: Well, Rob, to that point, just a, a quirky, fun little stat that I pulled up looking at DVOA numbers historically, and, and, and those numbers go all the way back to 1981. Uh, this is the top-ranked team offense for 40 for a 49ers team in their history since 1981. Like, how surprising is that to hear considering all the Super Bowls and the Montana and Young and you know everything that came in between it?
0: It's it's surprising when you when you say those names, but when you look at the the personnel that the 49ers have, they're the first team ever to have an all pro wide receiver, an all pro tight end, and an all pro running back at the same time. Like they are and that doesn't count Brandon Ayu, who's fantastic. Um, this offense is clearly the best offense of the Shanahan era because they have Christian McCaffrey. Now he's fully integrated. Whereas last year he was kind of trying to change the tires on a moving car. This year, he's fully up to speed with the offense. Ayuk's I- had the best year he's ever had. He was second in the league in yards per reception. Um, and Brock Purdy is not, or I should say has not in the past been afraid to let it rip down the field. As soon as he sees it last week, he was, and he admitted he was, which is something that we haven't seen from Brock, so that's a little concerning. But the reason why they've been so good this year is because Brock is like, yep, the deep shots are there, and generally, he's a guy that takes doubles over singles. He will pass up the check down for a deeper play mm-hmm. down the field. Well, that, that got kind of got into my next question because, you know, if, if
1: looking at this from a line standpoint, they've been giving up explosive plays through the air for the past month and a half, really all season, but especially in the last, really, two months, and so I'm kind of curious where, where are the areas that this offense, this passing offense likes to attack? Because the line is very, very weak on the perimeters, got a good nickel, got decent safeties. Is, is that, is that where the, the, the 49ers are, are they capable of hitting everywhere on the field? Do they like hitting the middle of the field? Do they take a ton of deep shots? Where, where does, where's Purdy and company,
0: I guess, most dangerous? Most of the time they like to attack the intermediate middle part of the field. That's generally where they like to live. But the refreshing thing about Purdy this year is that when stuff is open on the outside and deeper down the field, he lets it rip. He's not afraid to do it. He can make those back shoulder throws 20, 25 yards down the field. He will do that. You know, now if Detroit decides to load up the middle of the field and force him to do that every time, that'd be an interesting thing to have to see. But, if it's there, generally Brock will take it. Like I said, he's he usually lets it rip, and he can put it on receivers accurately.
2: Oh, Jeremy, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just looking at numbers because we're talking about Brandon <laughs> Ayuk and we're talking about deep field threats of any yeah. receiver with at least seventy targets. He's uh he's six in average depth of target among NFL wide receivers at fourteen point three. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah can that...
1: can you talk more about Ayuk because like everyone talks about. You know, McCaffrey, everyone talks about Debo, everyone talks about Kittle and and Brandon Ayuk's over there is the number two PFF wide receiver in, in football, which I mean, you can say what you will about PFF, but like that, that's not a fluke. This guy is a very, very talented guy.
0: No, he absolutely is. There has been nobody more held back by the shortcomings at quarterback than Brandon Auk. I I mm-hmm. think he could have put up similar numbers if he had a quarterback again, that's willing to let it rip. Ayuk is a fantastic route runner. He can get open against anybody. He's got a wingspan that's longer than Calvin Johnson. He, his body is, is abnormally shaped. He is not a normally shaped human being. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, he most of the time has really good hands. And, you know, I know people like to think that the Niners offense is like a check down offense, but 70 more than 70 percent of Ayuk's yards have come in the air. He, he's catching the ball deeper down the field. Kyle's dialing up some things, those deep over routes where he just gets wide open, where there's nobody within five, 10 yards of him. And Purdy has not missed those when they've been there. All
1: right, last question before we go. And I'm going to, I'm going to force to, I'm going to take Aiden Hutchinson off the table here. If, you, if you're the 49ers offensive coordinator in this game, what scares you most about the matchup against the Lions outside of Aiden Hutchinson? I
0: don't mean to be disrespectful, but <laughs> it's okay. turno- turnovers by Brock is what I would say. Okay, um, because the, the like you said, the Niners' offense is really good. The only thing that has stopped them, even with Colton McKivitz and his turnstile pass blocking, has been turnovers. They've been able to compensate for everything else. They've been able to run the ball. They've been able to use the play action. Kyle's done a good job of of not most of the time not having those offensive linemen just have to block for three, four, five seconds. So if the Niners don't turn it over, they will move the ball. Uh, We're here with Rob Guerrero, the host of the Gold Standard
1: Podcast Network, a.k.a. Stats on Fire. Uh, Let's get into it. Let's talk about the Lions offense going up against this 49ers defense. And um, I'll be honest, Rob, um, most Lions fans were watching, obviously, last week's game against the Packers. It was a weird spot in which Lions fans were rooting for the Packers for a second week in a row, and it felt dirty and gross. Uh, But I would say most Lions fans were pretty pleased with what they saw for most of that game because the the 49ers looked like a team that was vulnerable defensively. So from your point of view, what went wrong for San Francisco in that game on the defensive side of the ball? And is that something to be concerned about going forward or was it just, you know, coming off a bye? Maybe there's a little bit of roughs.
0: I think there was some rust. I think that's fair. I mean, a lot of the starters hadn't played in a game that mattered since New Year's Eve. But I don't want to just say, well, it was all Russ, because that's a mistake, too. The 49ers right. run defense is not great, particularly on plays to the edge, to the outside. You can get the edge on the 49ers. The Packers did it multiple times in the game. I'm i sure the Lions are going to do it. Um, that's the part of the offense that scares me the most, because Dan Campbell is not going to stop running. Like the Packers at times kind of got away from Aaron Jones a little bit, and I was certainly thankful for it. Dan Campbell's not going to do that. He will just keep giving the ball to the running backs. I think, well, you tell me if I'm wrong, but if he does, like, I think the lions are going to be able to move the ball. I think they're going to be able to consistently put themselves in second and five, third and two, those type of situations.
2: Well, Rob, can we talk about that a little bit more? Cause it makes me feel good. Um, and it makes <laughs> me feel better about the lion's chances this weekend. So like, when it comes to the 49ers run defense, and I think, Jeremy, what, their 15th, I think, in, in team DVOA yeah. DVS, DVOA, yeah. So, I mean, it, uh, you know, a defense for all int- intents and purposes, really good. But I noticed, like, maybe some, like, uh, lack up front uh, on, on the 49ers defensive line in terms of their ability to stop the run and, and a guy that I think a lot of Lions fans maybe want to check in on in Chase Young, uh, somebody who was available at the deadline and the 49ers picked up themselves has his run defense been a bit of a um, a, kind of a letdown?
0: Yes. In fact, he's been kind of a letdown. You know, he had a sack early where he and Bosa literally like met at the quarterback, which was, it was insane. It was like, yes, this is what it's going to be like every play. And Yeah, no, it's not. Um, I would say there's a reason that Washington was willing to let him go for basically a compensatory pick. I mean, he, he can flash at times. Absolutely. He can. But in terms of a consistent contributor, he's just not that. Like, it, it, it's not what I thought we were going to be getting. Um, now, again, on any one play, he could make an impact. But in the running game, he hasn't really, you know, been a standout. Um, Bosa's been trying to talk him up this week and telling him he's got to elevate his game to the next level. But also, like, dude, if I got to talk you up before the conference title game, like, what are we doing here? <laughs>
1: fair. Um, elsewhere along the, the defensive line, you know, you have these incredible pass rushers in, in Kinlaw, Armstead, Hargrave. Um, but if you look at PFF score, and this is why I'm asking you because I don't completely trust PFF score. Those guys tend to be liabilities in the run game. Is that, is that fair? Would you say, is that maybe a reflection of how aggressive they are at getting up field? And sometimes you can slide right by that. Um, do you, do you agree with that PFF assessment? I'm just kind of curious because you know, the, the, the Lions would love to be able to get work up the middle in, in the run
0: game if, if you view that as maybe a vulnerability, particularly in the run game. Yeah, they're going to, you'll be able to run up the middle. Uh, I, you're, you're getting me on a day where I'm not particularly high on the 49ers defensive line. Mm. I really think, you know, a lot of, in a lot of cases, they're more name than game. Um, mm. I mean, the Javon Hargrave I saw that was a pass rushing terror with the Eagles, I don't know where that guy went, but I know he's not in San Francisco. He's huh. just not, it's just not there. You know, there's too many games where we're sitting there saying, where's the pass rush? And, and people love to come back with the, here's the PFF pressures. And Nick Bosa had five quarterback hits last week. And it's like, yeah, that's great. And I get that that is, that is not nothing, but also it's not sacks. And you especially Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave, you are paid for sacks to take the quarterback down. Football at its most basic level is a fight for territory. And sacks are a win. You gain territory as a defense when you sack the quarterback. And there's just been too many games where they don't have any. And, like, you're going to need them. And Nick Bosa is being paid this year to get those. And he just hasn't. And it's been too often. He, I don't think he has a sack in his last four playoff games. Like, well, that just can't happen. Well,
2: I mean, that's a marquee matchup right there, though, Rob. You know, you got Bosa versus Sewell. I mean, Maybe kind of talk about how Bosa's maybe, you know, either rose to the occasion or not so much um, um showing up in, in big games against big time tackles.
0: He well, his first couple of years in the league, he seemed to always rise to the occasion. It was unbelievable. Like people have said, like, well, what did Nick Bosa do in the Super Bowl? He was incredible in the Super Bowl. He was incredible in his first few playoff games. And now these past couple of years, it seems like, I don't know if he's dinged up at the end of the year or just, he's getting way more attention than he used to get. That's a thing too. Um, but now I feel like he's good for like a couple of plays, but there are stretches in the game where I feel like you don't feel his presence. And that can be a little scary because this defense is built for their front four to get pressure so that they can keep seven in coverage because their coverage is the weaker part of the defense. When they aren't getting pressure with four, then they've got to do other things, and that kind of takes them out of their preferred, you know, packages. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thrilled to
1: to watch Bosa versus Rasul. I think it's going to be incredible. And oddly enough, uh, Pena's very first game came against Nick Bosa, and we we were talking to him in the locker room about it a little bit today. And I asked him like, "What do you remember from that game?" And he just said, "I sweat a lot." <laughs> <laughs> I matchup yeah very sweaty matchup but as as much as I want to talk about how awesome Panay Sewell is there is one part of this matchup on the offensive line versus the defensive line that scares the crap out of me and that's Coyote Aoshika stepping in for Jonah Jackson at left guard he has struggled in terms of pass protection all year when he's had to step in given that the interior of that defensive line if they do something well it is that pass rush how much do you expect you know the, the, the 49ers to Park it in are they are they the type of team that is is good I guess at create, or finding the mismatch and exploiting it all game
0: I think that they can be I think Eric Armstead that's 91 for the 49ers that's a, definitely a name and number to watch he mm-hmm. uh they moved him they started moving him to the inside a couple of years ago and he's really taken to it well they almost they kind of keep him on the outside a lot of the time for running on runs and then they move him inside on on passing downs kind of so that they can move him around, but he's really been able to get some pressure, especially now that he's healthy. He's got this plantar fasciitis in his foot, which kind of flares up from time to time, but he seems to be doing well. He's working his way back now. That could definitely be an area where the 49ers have an advantage. Uh, And let me ask you, because the two things I see with Jared Goff, I see numbers went under pressure. There seems to be a big difference in Goff when he's under pressure. And also when he's outside, when he's not in a dome, and mm. amazingly, I feel like every game you've played <laughs> has been in a freaking dome. Yeah. But is that a real thing with golf being under pressure and being outside?
1: Well, Ryan, you wrote something specifically on the the outdoor Jared Goff thing, so I'll let you take that one.
2: From from all the numbers, Rob, it seems like if it's cold weather and if you know Jared Goff is wearing a glove or something like that, like that's not the ideal situation that you want him playing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for sure, but. By the same account, guys. I mean, week eighteen last season goes into Lambeau and you know takes care of business and and outs you know the the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay. But you know, Rob, it seems like we're going to get decent weather though. So I think that if if we're going to have weather that isn't wet like it was last week in San Francisco, and if it's going to be rather sunny, I think the Cali boy is going to be just fine.
1: Right, it's, it's the homecoming for him of of sorts, and you'd think you know he's played in that. Stadium or at least, you know,
0: whatever stadium the 49ers has been in plenty of times, right? Yeah, he's played him. I mean, he's not nine career matchups against the 49ers. Obviously, some of those are on the road because they were in the division. Right. Um, Yeah, I Bosa said today I was stunned that he said it. He said, if you take away golf's first and second read and get hits on him, he's not the same quarterback. And I was just like, damn, man, like that might be true, but I'm kind of surprised you said it out loud. <laughs> It's definitely true, but it, it,
1: it's something he's also gotten way better at since he's landed in Detroit. Is is his read progression? Is his kind of knowing where the the drop off uh, route is and things like that? Um, because they've they've that's specifically what they've worked on when he got here. They're like, you need to be better resnap, knowing where the protection needs to be, where it's sliding protections, and in terms of just like knowing everything. Because I mean, it, it's been long reported, right? That Sean McVay was in that guy's ear until Mm -hmm. the radio went off. And and now the lines have given them a little bit more freedom to to be able to figure out all that stuff on his own. He doesn't need someone holding his hand until the radio goes off anymore. So um he's gotten better at that. But like any quarterback, he's not a great guy. He's he's much worse under pressure. He doesn't have a lot of escapability. He does, I think, maneuver in the pocket better than than some people give him credit for, but it's subtle stuff. He's not gonna run away from a guy that's coming right up the middle. But he'll slide a little bit, you know, he'll give himself a little bit extra room. He can feel, he kind of has a better sixth sense sixth sense to him. Uh, but he's he's not like Brock Purdy where, you know, he can make a guy completely whiff. That's just not ever going to be his game. He's not athletic enough to do that.
0: Yeah, Purdy it, it can, does... go ahead.
2: Oh, I was going to say, but to your, to your point of, of, you know, what was said uh, earlier about golf is just, you know, it's funny when you go back to the very first game of Lions, uh, of Lions golf, and that's against the 49ers, like that game was a game until Jared Goff just fumbled and threw the ball away. Like, and that happened for a period this season too, in the month of November, where like the turnovers, when they happened, they came in bunches and they came in bunches because it was pressure after pressure. And, you know, a- after the pressure came the misreads and throwing the linebackers and they do seem to pile up, but they, Jeremy, like they seem like they've been further in yeah. between.
1: Right. Yeah. He 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 creates these streaks. Um, you know he, he ended he ended last year. I think nine straight games didn't throw an interception. Yep. And now now he's kind of on that streak again of like playing very safe with the football, uh, type of games. But yeah, there was a streak of like six games where it seemed like all the fumbles were back, the interceptions were back. So you know he's currently on on a good streak. But yeah, that they're all lurking times, around the corner, maybe. <laughs> right. And, and he gave you, he gives you a very stark reminder every now and then, like, you know, last week he threw a ball right to the defender in, in the red zone the week before he threw a backwards pass while under pressure that, that was, Oh no, <laughs> that was a disaster. It almost, you know, could have been a, a huge turning point in that Rams game. So they, they linger in the shadows every now and then for sure. But he's been kind of on a, a nice streak here of lower
0: amounts of turnover worthy plays, but they're not, they're not gone. Well, that is one thing the 49ers defense is excellent at. They led the league in interceptions with 22 this year, I believe. If they didn't I, they might have been tied with somebody, but nobody had more interceptions than the 49ers this year. Um they it's kind of their saving grace in a lot of ways with turnovers because there have been a lot of times where teams have been moving the ball, but ultimately the 49ers find a way to take it away. Uh so I wouldn't be stunned if the 49ers got at least one interception in this game. In sure. fact, I think they will. Um but it's just going to be a question of how many times does golf, turn it over? And does, does Brock Purdy do the same? Because just like you were saying, Brock Purdy hit Darnell Savage between the three and the six <laughs> last week. Like you couldn't have put it on him any better. And Savage dropped it. You know, and yeah. that happens for every quarterback. And sometimes the games hinge on how good the defenders can catch. And, you know, we'll find out on Sunday.
2: Yeah. and And we would be remiss if we did not mention this guy's name, because he's one of the most fascinating players in the league to me. And that's Fred Warner. Uh, like, just tell me about, Rob, what makes him the secret sauce to the 49ers defense? Because he just seems like the prototype, the unicorn. Maybe they may have broke the mold when they made him.
0: He's a freak. He was covering and carrying CeeDee Lamb in the slot last year in the playoffs. Like, that's, he's a middle what the linebacker. Hell, dude? What the <laughs> hell? It's absurd. There are so many plays. I always say you can't measure Fred Warner's performance on the stat sheet, on what he does on the field. You have to measure him by what doesn't happen. Because there are so many plays where he just floats around and he'll go to his left and take away that read for a quarterback. And then he'll step up and take away the second read. And then he'll float backwards and take away another read. Like, he is just so good at how much ground he can cover. Along with, by the way, 57 Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw. Fred Warner has said, whatever you think of me, think that of Dre Greenlaw. And he's right. Because Greenlaw is a maniac on the field. Yeah, we I talked to Jared Goff about that
1: again today, and he's just like, Yeah, man, the, the speed is is unreal. And the, the, the guys that big should not be moving that fast. And <laughs> I, it, it's good. I feel like it's going to be, you know, a really important part of this matchup because the Lions obviously like to do so much work over the middle of the field as well. Um, so, yeah, I want to kind of get into that because we talk about all the weapons that the 49ers have. The Lions obviously have a ton of weapons too, and you know, Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta and Jamison Williams and, and Jameer Gibbs in the passing game as well. So, I guess of those four, or maybe maybe someone else, is, is there someone in, in particular that you're concerned about the,
0: the 49ers' maybe inability to cover in the passing game in particular? Um, I don't have a, a, an individual name, but what I can say is this. It's sort of a weird thing about this defense, and it's kind of been this way even under different coordinators, is you can have somebody, whoever you want, pick whoever you decide to target. They may go off and have a great game. And it may not matter at all. The 49ers (laughs) have this weird habit. Cooper cup. If you look Cooper cup has killed the 49ers that they've beaten the Rams nine straight times in the regular season. Trey McBride, the Cardinals tight end when he was the only option they had, had a massive game for the Cardinals, but like nobody else really does anything, I guess is, is the way that they have done it. Um, Hmm. So there have been options for other teams that have had great games against the 49ers, but it, it, it hasn't really mattered as much as you would think if you just looked at the box score. So if if they want to target Laporta, like you would think that Fred Warner would be able to take him away, but no. I don't know if they've got him doing other stuff, but somebody's going to put up big numbers in the passing game for the Lions. Whoever they want it to be will do it. And if, especially if they put this person in the slot, the slot fade will be there for the Lions whenever they want it. The 49ers haven't been able to defend it for four years. So... <laughs> It's going to happen. Just mark it down on the bingo card. It's, it's interesting. You're, you're saying all of this, and and my,
1: my light is going off. Our entire live chat is going off. You sound like you're describing the Lions defense because <laughs> they've just been giving up. Like, one guy has gotten 180 yards every single game in the past five games, yet the Lions have won every single one of those games, except for the Cowboys game, but
0: they kind of won that game, too. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Please. Okay. I want to ask about... Dan Campbell, because if there's one area where I think he can absolutely run circles around Kyle Shanahan, it is game management. Sure. Kyle Shanahan stinks at game management. <laughs> he doesn't understand clock management. He doesn't, doesn't understand when he should go for it on fourth down. He is terrible at it. And it's been seven years now. I've been screaming about it. <laughs> Kyle said today, cause they asked him flat out, like, Hey, Dan Campbell, you know, he's going to He's going to go for it. He's going to be aggressive. And Kyle's response was, well, those are opportunities for the offense, but they're opportunities for the defense, too. Even in his answer, he was scared. Like, <laughs> <laughs> How aggressive do you think Dan Campbell is going to be? Do you expect them? If it's fourth and one, is Dan Campbell going for it all the time? Like, give me a little info on that. Rob,
2: I do want to say that I'm nervous that Jeremy might not come back from Santa Clara because he might get a job <laughs> as Kyle Shanahan's clock management guy. If oh he God. can maybe put a bug in his ear cuz that's Jeremy's dream job. A little bit. Um yeah, but I'll, I'll let Jeremy kind of handle the Dan Campbell aggressive stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, short answer is is yes. Um he what I what I really like about Dan Campbell is that he knows going into a game when he's going to have to crank it up even beyond 11 because we know he, he he's our, he starts at 11 right every single day he's at <laughs> an 11 out of 10 he knows that if if this is going to be a boat race like i'm going to start you know early in the game i don't care i'm not going to wait till the fourth quarter to start having to go for it. i'm not going to start waiting until i'm down two scores if i know this is going to be a shootout and it's a very first drive of the game and we're at midfield and it's fourth and one we're going for it um the, the, the chargers game thing- this year yeah yeah exactly the chargers game is a, is a perfect example um i will say the one part that's semi annoying about them going for it on fourth and one every time is that it makes them a little bit more conservative on third down They're a team that if it's if it's third and four very high likelihood that they're going to run the ball knowing that they're going to go for it on fourth down and that annoys me a little bit because i'm like why don't you just get it on third down by passing the ball um we'll see that you'll see that in the red zone too like it was third and goal from the three yard line last week, and I knew they were going to run the ball. I knew it, or you know, because I know if they pick up one or two yards, they're they're going to go for it on fourth down. And I think the defense knew it in that opportunity. Ended up losing two yards, fourth and goal from the five. They actually kicked the field goal. It was kind of a rare opportunity there. The one interesting thing I think about this game, and, and I'm curious about this game, is do they do they crank up the aggressiveness when it comes to trick plays? Because the Lions are certainly not afraid to to run up with with trick plays. And they haven't really done a ton of it this postseason, Ryan. Like the closest thing they had, I think, is that Brock uh Brock Wright play. Which is not really a trick play. That's just a very sneaky play. It's a very sneaky play. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There there haven't there hasn't been a trying to think back, was it probably the uh was it the Cowboys game and the uh germ to uh yeah Khalil Dorsey pitch and catch on the on the fake punt?
1: Yeah. So I mean fake punt's on the table flickers on the table as much as i don't like flea flickers like I, I i think all of that is on the table because i think i mean you're you're going into santa claire as, as a, a touchdown underdog so um yeah aggressiveness is going to be up to at least 11 in this
0: game for sure kitchen sink game absolutely i would <laughs> yeah yeah um and the other thing i and i heard this from chris sims today and i thought it was a really interesting point that he made basically what he said was like the lions go all in on stuff on defense. For example, let's say it's third and one, the lions are going to load up on the box and they're going to say, you are not getting this one yard. You might get 65 (laughs) yards, but we're not giving you this one. Is that accurate? I I think it is. I'm curious what you think, because I mean, I'm, I'm I'm
1: thinking of a very specific example. I'm trying to remember what team it was, but yeah, it was a third and one situation in the lines. Like, yeah, you're not going to run for it. And then, they, they get their top receiver in a one-on-one and he beats them for a 40 yard touchdown. Like, yeah, that, that happens for sure. And, and I think at times Aaron Glenn gets a little bit overly aggressive, especially right now, because they they don't produce a lot of four man rush pressure outside of Aiden Hutchinson. There's no one else who does. So they've been blitzing a lot. And if you get into a third and long, they're probably going to blitz. And again, the bucks were able to kind of, see that coming last week on a red zone play. They threw a screen pass right into the blitz and it worked for a touchdown. Um, That you you can get the lines on that for sure. But I'm curious, do you feel the same way, Ryan?
2: I do. And I was, I was going to bring up that exact play. I think that's, that feels like my biggest concern for the lions this week. When it comes to stopping Christian McCaffrey, I have a lot of confidence in their run defense. And even though it looked a little bit shaky last week against the bucks rushing attack, that was virtually non-existent for their entire season. And then even going back, you know, the previous week to the Rams game, they could do some things with Kyron Williams and the, the, the run defense has been great for a year and a half. And and we've been able to say that I have a lot more confidence in the Lions ability to stop Christian McCaffrey as a runner than I do as a guy who can run the entire fricking route tree and, right. and then some, so that that's my concern with stopping McCaffrey.
0: He is so good. And I, I... Keep screaming like he's never had a bad game with the team. And he like you were talking about Bosa. Does Bosa step up in the big games? McCaffrey absolutely steps Mm -hmm. up in the big games In the NFC championship game last year when Brock Purdy was out and the world was the sky was falling. Christian McCaffrey breaks three tackles, runs for 25 yards, scores a touchdown. And all of a sudden it's a tie game. And you're like, oh, my God, how did that happen? Last week, the Niners are struggling on offense all game. They hand the ball to Christian McCaffrey. He breaks three tackles. He runs for a 39-yard touchdown. Like, Mm -hmm. he is so good, and he's good in the big moments. He is absolutely incredible to watch. I was so wrong about that trade when it went down because I was like, he can't possibly be that good because they gave up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth the next year to get him, and he has been worth all of it. Thank (laughs) God for that man.
2: (laughs) It's been been a tough couple years for – Running backs have no value
0: for Jeremy. It's, it's been, right. it's been tough. Right. Between right.
2: Christian McCaffrey and Jameer Gibbs, it's been tough.
0: <laughs> oh, you were uh, you were down in the Gibbs pick? Uh, no comment. No comment. Uh-huh. Aha. <laughs> hey, I always, <laughs> right. I always tell people, you get 100% honesty with me. You don't get 100% accuracy. <laughs> exactly. There you go. I like that. Um.
1: All right. We're going to go to the final segment of our podcast, uh, our preview podcast, which we call The One Thing We Think We Know. It's where we make a prediction about the game. Doesn't necessarily have to be the winner of the game. Doesn't have to be the score. Just one aspect of the game that you're pretty sure is going to happen. Uh, Rob, because I didn't tell you about this ahead of time, we're going to make Ryan do it first. We always make Ryan do it first, Um, (laughs) but uh, he'll show you the ropes, how it's done. So Ryan, what is the one thing you, one thing you think you know about NFC championship weekend Lions versus 49ers?
2: First off, I was, I was way off in the divisional round the uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did not fall start even once, but it was technically the loudest it's ever been at Ford Field. So I get a half point. Right. Uh, this week, I'm gonna say that Jared Goff plays a clean game and he doesn't Ooh. turn the ball over once.
1: Wow. In direct contrast of our guest I, see I have
2: this i have, <laughs> I have this feeling about Jared Goff going back to California. Mm. I have this feeling about him just playing a game that would literally, I don't want to admit this on a Lions podcast, but there's still a creeping doubt in me that says, should should the Lions give Jared Goff $55 million a year? <laughs> like, should they do that? Like, should they pony up? 50,
1: 50. Let's, let's keep it at 50. Here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if he wins a conference championship game, Jeremy, it might be 55. Right, but fair. my point being is that this feels like the game that could finally slay that dragon for me. And if Jared Goff goes and plays a clean, even if they don't end up coming out victorious, if he has akin to what CJ Stroud did against Georgia in the college football playoff game, right? Like a game where it's like, oh, okay, no, no, no. I think that dude has it, right? Mm-hmm. This feels like the biggest stage that Jared Goff has had in his, and the field goal posts keep on moving, but this is like the biggest stage that Jared Goff has had in his Lions career, maybe in his professional football career.
1: Probably fair. I mean, he's been to a Super Bowl, but he's he. I mean, he can join. I think what is it? Two or three other quarterbacks ever who have gotten to a Super Bowl with two different teams.
2: Yeah, yeah. Brady and I don't know somebody. Kurt else. Warner,
1: Manning. Oh,
0: Kurt Warner, Manning. Manning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can I? Here's my my response to that though. If you don't know the answer to that question by now, <laughs> with Jared Goff, he's 29, right? Like, and I don't mean this to bash him, but I'm just saying right. in general, if you don't know by 29, doesn't that kind of answer your question?
1: Maybe the, the the tough thing with golf though, is it feels like he, he, he had to kind of hit the reset button on his career and he's becoming an entirely new quarterback and you have to give him the benefit of a little bit of time, especially since when he came to Detroit, there was no weapons. There was no identity. There wasn't an offensive coordinator that the team trusted. And so now like you really could only start a fair evaluation of Jared Goff in Detroit since the middle of 2022 and beyond and so we have a year and a half worth to me of relevant data and and yeah you, you can't completely ignore some of the bad things that happened in LA and you can't completely ignore some of the things bad things that happened here in Detroit in the first year and a half but in terms of the like the the rebirth of Jared Goff I feel like we are still kind of in like the nascency of that a little bit which is weird to say about a 28 29 year old but i don't know it it's tough he, you you wish you wish you were more definitive, I guess, on on your opinion of of Jared Goff at this point because there are some of those inconsistencies and those moments where you're just like, what are you doing? But I don't know. I, I'm actually a little bit more confident. I think on Jared Goff as the the franchise quarterback moving forward than than Ryan is, and and I think most people are with me at this point. I mean they're they're chairing they're chanting the guy's name twenty times a game now, apparently, which is a new thing in Detroit completely. But you know that predates Matthew Stafford. Predates. Probably everybody, anyone in in franchise history.
0: So it's an interesting situation. Yeah, he's the second best quarterback the Lions have ever had.
1: Yeah, probably true.
0: Um, All right, back to back, which is wild. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) We're the new Packers, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how'd their their franchise quarterback look when it came to nut cutting time? I'll just say Uh, that. I'll just say that. One quarterback stepped up and the other guy peed down his leg. Hey, listen.
1: We'll, we'll we'll take that. Talk. We'll, we can talk about that for another 30 minutes if you want to. That's why I'm so <laughs>
0: glad it's going to be 68 and sunny, Rob. <laughs> right. I mean, that pass he threw at the end of that game. What the hell was he thinking? He's rolling to his right, full speed. Then he throws back across his body, and it's not like a five-yard throw. This isn't Favre against yeah. the Saints. This is like 25, 30 yards down the field. And if if Dre Greenlaw didn't pick it off, Fred Warner was going to. Fred Warner's yeah. right behind him. It, oh, for, yeah. Spare me, Jordan Love. Uh, all right, Rob, I'm going to make you go next. What is the one thing you think you know about Lions 49ers? Well, I think Debo's going to play. Yeah. And uh, so I'm assuming he plays. And if he plays, Kyle is going to run a, an end around to Debo Samuel. What he's going to do is he's going to smash Christian McCaffrey outside over and over and over again. And then as soon as you adjust to over pursue, he's going to run Debo coming around the other side, and Debo's going to get the ball. And you. Are going to say the words "oh" sh-, out loud because you're going to see when he gets the ball, you're going to be like "oh," sh-. and Debo's going to run for 20, 25, hell, maybe even more. But especially in the playoffs, Kyle really leans on Debo as a runner, uh, and I so I think that he was a huge part of the game plan last week that they didn't get to do, and I think he's absolutely going to try it this week if Debo's playing, and it's going to work at least once.
1: Yeah that that feels that feels very possible. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I, I Now, now I think they're not going to say, oh, sh-. they're going
0: to say Rob. <laughs> <laughs> he has, I'm trying to find the actual number. I think he has some absurd number of carries like 45 carries in the playoffs in his career. Mm. Nine playoff games. Like he, he gets run on the ground. Yeah. All right. The one thing I think I know about this game is
1: because the 49ers have such a good linebacking crew because they're they're going to try to be covering the middle of the field. At some point, the lines are going to need to stretch the defense long thin. They're act on a deep shot with Jameson Williams in this game. Mo is going to break off at least a forty-yard catch in this game, and I know I feel like earlier in the season, every week we went like, all right, this is the the game that Jamo is <laughs> going to break out. This is the game that J is. I'm not going to say he's going to dominate the entire game but the Lions are going to dial up a play that's going to get him open deep over the middle of the field, and the Lions are going to cash in on it finally, and people are going to go crazy. JMO's probably going to get hurt on it because he just, like, when he goes so fast, there's, like, no hitting the brakes. He's like a a kid who learns how to ride the bike for the first time, and then they go downhill for the first time, like, oh, God, what do I do with the rest of my body? That's Jameson Williams on a deep ball, and he's going to hit on one in this game.
0: I can say with almost 100% accuracy that you are wrong, and the reason for that is because he's never going to get the opportunity to catch the ball because Ambry Thomas is just going to interfere with him because that's what Ambry Thomas does. Okay. If you, if you get in any third and long in this game, just look for 20 and just throw it to wherever he is. Because when the ball is in the air, Ambry Thomas stumbles around like a drunken sailor and waves his arms and crashes into receivers and gets a pass interference penalty. Like book it, it will happen if the if the oh, lions man. want to attack deep and outside the numbers i guarantee you guarantee you <laughs> they will get at least two pass interference penalties cuz it, it's gonna happen that, w- that that will suffice because i yes. know jeremy is
2: anti spot foul penalty man and <laughs> even though he hates that a uh, you know a penalty in in this league can cost a team 60 yards if james williams gets the lions 60 yards on sunday through a flag <laughs> that take goes out the window.
1: Yeah, probably. But the line, the Lions have never been that team that seems to take advantage like like no. a Packers team does. The Packers know how to do that. Like that's their best play in their playbook is 40-yard yeah. pass <laughs> interference. It it blows my mind how how often they're able to do it. But I yeah, I'll, I'll take one of those. We'll, we'll we'll call that you'll get like 70%
0: credit for that. I'll get 30% credit for that it's I'm so confident in it. If I could place a bet on it, I would literally (laughs) bet on it. Like, It's frustrating to me. Even their best corner Mooney Ward, uh, Mm various ward who is excellent, but can he's very, very physical. So even sometimes he will get those flags, but uh, yeah. Ambry Thomas is a disaster out there. It is waiting to happen. It happened last week. He had a 41 yard pass. Oh, I remember on third and 15. Yeah. I I remember and I'm
1: certain I tweeted something about it because indeed I do absolutely hate the spot file pass interferences. Um, All right, but before we get out of here, Rob, uh, obviously the people listening on your end know who you are, but uh, I want you to kind of promote yourself here for, for our Lions audience. Where can the people
0: find you? What sort of stuff do you do over there on the interwebs? Oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. We're the Gold Standard Podcast Network. You can find our YouTube channel. Uh, we're available anywhere you get your podcasts. We're live on YouTube every single weekday. I do a five-minute 49ers in five, I call it. It's just like a news update with clips from press conferences and interviews and just basically everything going on with the team injury report to get you fully up to speed every morning. You can start your day with it. Um, it's It's been a little crazy because for anyone that doesn't know, I used to be at SB Nation at Niners Nation, and then they laid me off, so I had to get everything going right before the Cowboys playoff game last year, which was a little scary, but uh, we we've got everything up and running now. So if you know any 49ers fans, uh, please share the info, tell them to like, and subscribe. I promise uh, we'll, we'll earn their time.
1: Rob's by the way, a freaking legend. Like people still <laughs> talk about him all the time at SB nation. We were literally talking about you this week, just because um, all the craziness you had to go through at this time last year and, and how much everyone, didn't understand it and still doesn't understand it. But, um, honestly you you do tremendous work and I'm I'm honored that, that you wanted to do a crossover podcast with us. So appreciate the time, man. Uh, I would say good luck to you on Sunday, but I don't mean that. Um, good luck. I I, I'm a big fan of the 49ers franchise in general and and Kyle Shanahan super fan. So, um, I do like it. And especially I love any team that beats the crap out of the Packers every year. So
0: Yes. Let's unite. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, I also wish you terrible luck. Although I will say if the lions win, I will be rooting for the lions, uh, especially if they play the chiefs, especially if they play the chiefs.
1: <laughs> appreciate that. And appreciate all of you guys, uh, whether you're listening on the 49 ers side, the Lions side, appreciate all of you. Make sure you're following us. Make sure you're following Rob, all of the people involved. And hopefully we have ourselves a good, entertaining, healthy game on Sunday. But until then, For Ryan, for Rob, I'm Jeremy. It's chaos. Be kind.
0: Thanks again to Jeremy Reisman and Pride of Detroit. If you want to learn more about the Lions, go to prideofdetroit.com. They have incredible coverage there. That's the SB Nation Lions community. Just a quick reminder before we go, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. The support you've been giving us lately has been absolutely incredible. We're setting records every day for views. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. And, of course, after the game, join us live on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch, the Instant Reaction Podcast. We will be breaking it down. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we are talking about a Niners return to the Super Bowl.